Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 54th official episode. Today, we're doing a, 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 an idea that came from one of our fans. This is not something that we've really done before. Um, but shout out to C 3 underscore on Instagram, who sort of slid into our DMs. And um, in case you caught it in our last episode, we said something like we were going to try to do some more fan interaction over the course of this hiatus. And Eamon took full advantage. He was one of the first fans that ever reached out to us after we started this podcast. Um, and here he is giving us this, giving us the idea for this episode, which is that we take one of our favorite NBA players, we take a star, and we surround them with four role players, or at least non-all-stars in our case, and sort of create the perfect team. Um, and so thank you once again to Eamon for that idea. We're going we're gonna to sort of run with that for the rest of this episode. Um, we've prepared a whole list, and I think that we're just going to jump right into it. And the main aspect here is they cannot have been all-star last year or just in general be regarded as a star. For example, Carl Anthony Towns, Paul George, Bradley Beal, they, were, they weren't all-stars this year. However, they're clearly not going to be available for the role-player status. And the we're not just creating like the quote like best possible team by putting like the best players on the on, on a team we're looking to put role players on a team with the star who's who who their skills specifically help that star be the best that they can be and fill in the star's weaknesses of course so for example like bradley beal this year is not an all-star he's not available you know just guys who are close to all-stars who've been all-stars in the past are guys that we're not going to try to put on this list um, because we're not, they're not we're not doing true role players necessarily because some of these guys are stars in their own right but um, they're not all stars um, and we also tried not to we didn't reuse any players so the four people that are on our first team team Giannis won't appear on any other team um, because there there could have been repetition because some of these guys are very useful on a lot of different uh, their skills are very different or are useful for a lot of different guys. All right, so, so let, let's get started, starting with Team Giannis, and keep in mind for the rest of the video, uh, the, the audio rather, is that we are picking role players that will maximize the superstar's potential and fill in their weaknesses. So, Team Giannis starting off. Point guard, we have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Connor, would you like to explain this one? Um, yeah, I mean, this one, Shea, obviously not an all-star. He's only a second-year NBA player. Um, but uh, this is one that I was pretty adamant about that, that I thought that Shea, she had to appear somewhere in this list and we put him with Giannis. What, for one thing, he plays great defense. That's, that's one thing that sets him apart with a lot of the other young guards in this list is that um, unlike a Fred Van Vliet, for, for example, he's a tall defender. He gets around screens. He's just going to, he's going to be a good defender alongside Giannis. Um, and that's important because you think of Giannis's real life teammates and at the point guard spot, he has Eric Bledsoe. And one of the most important parts of, of Eric Bledsoe's game for the Bucks is that he makes Giannis's life easier by just being a pest on the perimeter. Um, and so that's sort of what Shea is doing here. But then we also have to mention, of course, that Shea is a near 20-point-per-game scorer this year um, on an OKC Thunder team that is near the playoffs. So Shea is really proving a lot, um, or he was before the NBA hiatus, um, both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. So he seems like sort of the perfect guard to put next to Giannis, um, in our opinion. In my opinion, in particularly, I think the greatest sort of devastating strength in the Shea-Giannis combo has to be defense, pick and roll in particular, hmm. um, because the Eric Bledsoe-Giannis or the Eric Bledsoe-Brooke Lopez uh, pick and roll defense, basically what, how it works is Eric Bledsoe kind of traps from behind and, and allows the big to step up and then they get a bunch of turnovers that way. I think that would be even more dangerous and deadly with Shea Gilgis because he has like like a 6-10 like wingspan or something like that. <laughs> And and that would just be devastating in the passing lanes. And that, that's like he he's a good defender to where he'll be able to do what Eric Bledsoe does now, but be even more de- devastating because Eric Bledsoe's a smaller guard. And it's probably worth mentioning that Shea Gildish Alexander might not be a true point guard in some people's eyes, um, but with Giannis Antetokounmpo on your team, you have somebody who's a capable playmaker um, and somebody who's going to be getting a lot of your touches, you know, going coast to coast so you don't necessarily need somebody who's going to be bringing the ball up the court every possession when you have Giannis on your team is the way that I looked at it at least um and so Shea fills a lot of the other gaps without necessarily 
needing the ball in his hand to create. All right, now at the shooting guard, this was a pretty easy pick for us, at least the archetype of what we mm-hmm. wanted. We wanted a sharpshooter who doesn't have to have the ball in his hands because you have Giannis, you have Shea, who are pretty ball-dominant players. And for that reason, we went with J.J. Redick, one of the best three-point shooters of all time. He's an okay defender, but uh, we, we were able to put him on this team because this team has so many other good defenders, and that that's all you really need. Giannis is going to be in the paint. You need someone to help space the floor. Exactly. In in, in Mike Budenholzer's system, JJ Redick's going to be getting a lot of open threes, running off of screens, getting uh, getting play calls for him, and the, he's the perfect threat to have on the court um, to really open up the paint for Giannis. And so we tried, obviously, to put four shooters around Giannis, and it's hard to think of somebody who is more dangerous behind the arc than JJ Redick. So then, for sure, out of three following the past following few years. JJ, Following up, following up JJ at the three, we got Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, this year for the Utah Jazz, they, they acquired him in, in the offseason. He's been a 20-point-per-game scorer, for one thing. Um, fantastic shooter. Can create his shot um, in a way that maybe JJ Redick can't. Um, so, so you need some shot creation next to Giannis. You think about his, his real-life teammate. He has uh, Chris Middleton. And so it's important to put somebody who can, who can create offense when Giannis um, is having an off night or um, the the defense is really locked in on Giannis. It, the Bucks occasionally, I mean, it's going to come down probably in this year's playoffs, assuming they still happen to, if the team locks, if the def, if the defense locks in on Giannis, then can Chris Middleton step up? Can Eric Bledsoe step up? And so in this case, we're saying, can Bojan Bogdanovic step up? Can Shea Gildas Alexander step up? And both of them this year are proving that they can, I think. And with both of them on the same team with Giannis, it seems like there should always be an offensive option. Agreed. And I think just for context, for those who may not be aware of Bogdanovich's amazing shooting ability, uh, over the past three seasons, he shot above 40% from three. Uh, he used to shoot five attempts per game, and now he's shooting seven, which is a very high volume, mm-hmm. and still maintaining that efficiency at 41% from behind the arc. That's going to be deadly with Giannis, not to mention, as you said, he can create off the dribble. And so at power the power forward... Obviously, we have Giannis, the MVP, one of the best players in the league. That is, that shouldn't need any explanation. Um, the the one weakness in his game would be the shooting, which is why we surrounded him with uh, with shooting. And it's also important that him being a defensive player of the year candidate, that if that we're probably going to be looking to be one of the best defensive teams in the league, so put some other defenders around him. Um, and so, Giannis. Is a little bit of a tricky team to build or uh, to build because um, you need a lot of shooting, but at the same time he's so good that like with that being sort of the only um, little like weakness, really it, we had a lot of flexibility here to just put in some great players that are gonna you know complement his game. Yep, and finally at the center spot we have Brooke Lopez. Warning: This is the only player in this entire episode that is going to share a team with another player on his team because real life teammates yeah yeah real life teammates um we had to do it for this one just because we've been like at least i've been so like inspired by how well this duo has worked on the offensive end and on the defensive end and the the original thought was that brooke would be able to to have to to be able to add three-point shooting and even as he's only shooting 30% this year, as opposed to like 37% last year from behind the arc, uh, he still is shooting five tenths per game and the defense respects him to where that still spaces the floor regardless, just because teams know what Brooke Lopez is capable of doing, in my opinion. And he's also made massive strides in the defensive end this year to the point where some advanced statistics would imply that Brooke Lopez is actually a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and so while he's probably not the best defensive player on his team because Giannis exists, um, it is worth mentioning that Brook Lopez is an incredible defensive anchor as well as Splash Mountain. Um, and so when we were trying to come up with this list, more than anybody else, we couldn't find a better replacement at center um, next to Giannis than Brook Lopez, and so we just kept him in there. Although we tried to avoid that, um, I, we just couldn't. So to recap, for Team Giannis, the team that can maximize his ability the most, for Team Giannis, 
Point guard, Shea Gildress-Alexander. Shooting guard, J.J. Redick. Small forward, Boyan Bogdanovich. Power forward, Giannis himself. And center, Brooke Lopez. I, I First, think that that... that that would be a killer lineup. Like honestly, in I think real life. I think that's the best team we have on this list. I mean, Giannis might is arguably the best player on this list for one thing. Um, probably having the best regular season so far. But I think that when we look at the potential weaknesses in the real life Bucks, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, you just got to hope that Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe can hold their own in the playoffs. I think that this team is full of veterans, for one thing, minus Shea Gillis-Alexander, who's a second-year player. But I think it's full of guys who can create their own shots or be like be the one who gets hot and like leads the offense, minus probably Brooke Lopez at this point in his career. Um, and so I just think it's a very versatile team offensively. It's going to still play great defense because that's what we've come to expect of the Bucks. They're still going to run fast in transition. Um, I, I just think this is a really solid team. Yeah, and personally, I think in real life, this team would win a championship, even if they only have one technical all-star. Yeah, I, I, it's it's very well-suited to Giannis's play style, which is, of course, the goal. All right, so let's move over to Team LeBron. Um, this is one that'll always get a lot of speculation and hype as like LeBron's teammates, because, of course, LeBron... Hops, has hopped around a little bit in his career to create super teams, whether it be Miami, uh, Cleveland, and now LA. The LeBron's teammates are are usually some of the best players in the in the in the league. But here we're constructing sort of the the perfect team to fit about around LeBron that doesn't have those extra um, big three members. Yeah, and so starting off with the point guard, this was one of a lot of debate because LeBron is basically a point guard. We could put him at point guard. We could put him at shooting guard, small forward, power forward. And because LeBron is maybe the best passer of of all time, we don't need a point guard who needs to be a traditional point guard in the sense that they don't have to be this assist man because LeBron is that. So with that that in mind, we picked Spencer Dinwiddie, who even though he was getting some all-star traction this year, he didn't get the nod. And pretty much what he can do is he can be sort of like that Kyrie Irving role in that he can just get past the the ball by LeBron, go to work, get some isolation scoring, just some scoring off the dribble. And also, even while he's only shooting like league average from three, his catch and shoot percentages for three is off the charts, um, especially from the corners. So with that, I think that he's going to get a lot more catch and shoots with LeBron. And I think he's going to be deadly next to him. Exactly. And, and one thing that's also important is that, like you mentioned, one of the reasons that we put Spencer Dinwiddie here is that you don't need a true point guard, and Spencer Dinwiddie sort of plays a little bit of combo guard for the Nets right now. He's a tall guard also, so tall defender. Um, but I think that when LeBron James is off the court, which is one of the problems that the Lakers are having right now, is who runs the offense? I think that Spencer Dinwiddie is very capable of running his own show um, if LeBron James is off the court, but I also think they can coexist incredibly well with Spencer Dinwiddie's an off-ball guy when LeBron James is on the court, part of that being because of Spencer Dinwiddie's um, catch-and-shoot three-point percentage, as you mentioned. All right, now going to shooting guard, we got Jalen Brown. You can talk about this one. Jalen Brown this year has really showed up for the Celtics um, in proving that he's worth the contract extension that he got. One of the most important attributes about him is his defense. So next LeBron James, you of course are going to want somebody who's going to be that lockdown defender because at 36 years old, I think LeBron is right now, um, in a game seven for a few minutes, he can probably guard your best player, but you're not going to want him to do that for an entire playoff series. So I think that it's important that you have another really strong perimeter defender and I think that Jalen Brown is that for one thing but then I also think that Jalen Brown has shown time and time again this year that he has become a very capable wing scorer um, especially next to Jason Tatum so I think that like Jason Tatum on the Celtics in real life LeBron James would be the leading scorer at the small forward spot so Jalen Brown could kind of coexist as a second option, um, but at the same time is more than capable of creating his own shot in the mid-range, knocking down the three, attacking the basket, kind of doing a little bit of everything. And so Jalen Brown, I think, is a jack-of-all-trades that would actually fit really well next to LeBron. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, moving on, we have LeBron at small forward. That's his normal position. Uh, and even though he can play more, I just think the tools around him, we kind of just slotted him in at the small forward position. Now, moving on to power forward, uh, I remember you originally in our document had someone else, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? How fun would it be to have Davis Bertans at the power forward next to LeBron? Because mm-hmm. he's just like a sniper from downtown. Yeah, and- we... I decided to put in Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Jalen Brown here as like a little bit of taller defenders in the perimeter, sort of to make up for Davis Bertans, because of course he isn't the greatest on the defensive end. Um, but like you said, it, just on a purely offensive side of the ball, Davis Bertans is one of the purest shooting machines in the league. And so leave Davis Bertans an inch of space in the corner and he's going to be money. So you just, you can't, you can't sag off him, which is just like, LeBron James with shooters, of course, as we know, is absolutely lethal. Yeah, especially because LeBron can pretty much pass from anywhere, moving anytime. So all you just have to do is be open and he'll find you. And also, uh, yeah, again, Davis Bertans' height makes him able to shoot over defenders. And so when LeBron is driving to the lane, you either help in and allow a three or or you just let LeBron dunk on your head and either way like that that is one of my favorite pairings in this entire list which is a little weird to say because it's Thomas <laughs> Bertans he's like this random dude from Latvia but yeah and then center poison. yeah and then center you got Serge Ibaka this was one of of debate for me I'm I'm kind of the least satisfied so far with the Serge pick just because I'm like, what What does he kind of, like, bring to the table? I think he, he has, like, a mid-range, which is fine. Uh, he's a pretty, he's a, he's a solid defender, but I, I would have liked to see either a guy who could, like, shoot the three or a guy that was a bit more athletic. Like, like honestly, like, like a prime Serge Ibaka would be phenomenal for me. Um, I, I, I see where you're coming from. So, so I think it's probably p- pretty clear at this point that I was the one who put Serge Ibaka down on the list um, for Team LeBron here. Um, yes. This is a little bit where the, like, you can't repeat players comes in and, like, makes it a little bit tricky. Um, so you can't use a Brooke Lopez here, and you can't use any of the other centers that we list down the line. And so Serge Ibaka is a little bit small, for one thing. I'm going to say that he's probably, like, 6'9", um, 6'10", which is a little bit small to be playing center, but, of course, the NBA center position is just weird now. Um, but this year for the Raptors, he's a 16-point-per-game score, eight rebounds, shooting almost 40% from three on 3.3 attempts per game. Oh, yeah, I remember you told me that. I did, I did so, not believe that when I heard it. Until you look at that, you think... I, I was sort of in the same boat as you. It's like, okay, Serge Ibaka is not a true... like He doesn't truly space the floor. Shout out to our podcast title. Um, he's just sort of like a mid-range sniper and then like kind of has the three. But... No, I guess this year he actually is a little bit of a three-point sniper as well. Um, so he's probably no Davis Bertans, but I do think that's, that Serge Ibaka is a very capable pick-and-pop shooter if this year is any indication. Um, and, of course, his nickname is Sergi Blaka, and so I think he still has some room-protecting ability in him even at this point in his career. And so if we're just talking about one season, you know, like one playoff series, whatever this is, um, we're talking about just today, I think that Serge Ibaka actually does fit pretty well, even though, like you said, this isn't prime Serge Ibaka. All right, so to sum up for Team LeBron, the team that maximizes his skill the most, point guard Spencer Dinwiddie, shooting guard Jalen Brown, small forward the king LeBron James, power forward Davis Bertans, center Serge Ibaka. All right, let's keep it going with team Ben Simmons. Um, and so we have Ben Simmons at the one, no surprise there, but it starts getting interesting with at the two, we got Buddy Heald. Um, Buddy Heald, I, I, I put this one down um, because I see some parallels here with like the Ben Simmons, De'Aaron Fox. And that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think that any Ben Simmons team would be at its best running fast in transition. And I think the Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox pairing last year on the Kings was incredible in transition with uh, with Buddy Heald as sort of like a role guy for one of the fastest players in the league and one of the best ball handlers in De'Aaron Fox. Um, and so there might be some sort of like connection there, I think, with Ben Simmons. But then outside of that, he's also just an incredible shooter. 
and obviously Ben Simmons is going to need that. And so I think that that he won that the three point contest this year. Exactly. I think that that backcourt, um, something in my head, it just like it feels right. It clicks a little bit. Um, maybe both they're young. I don't know. They both they they feel like they would complement each other. Um, ben Simmons plays great defense. Buddy Hield plays okay defense. So like as a whole, that's a good defensive backcourt. Um, I don't know. I just think that like they'd be a good pairing. I agree. Um, at, at the three. Yeah. At the three, we got Harrison Barnes. Pretty much for this, we just kind of needed a guy that isn't going to be that ball dominant, but can kind of hold his own. If Ben Simmons is driving and can kick it out to him, he can knock down a shot. Or if they close out hard, he can take two dribbles and get to the rim. Pretty much kind of just an overall solid guy in my eyes. And that's actually just because they're pretty much the same type of player. The power forward on this team is Gordon Hayward. So I just think that having Harrison Barnes and Gordon Hayward on the wings and in the corners just creates so much shot creation, especially for more Gordon Hayward, but also just open threes, guys able to make a play, and just so many weapons on the perimeter for Ben Simmons. I just, I think looking back at, so Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Gordon Hayward, part of the reason that we have those three is that Ben Simmons gets criticized a lot, including by myself, um, for not being the best offensive player in the half court. All three of those guys, like you said, Connor, are more than capable of getting their own shot, of creating offense in the half court, and lighting it up from three if they get it um, off a pass from Ben Simmons, and running in transition. So I think that all three of them, sort of on the perimeter, are quite flexible and can kind of do a little bit of everything, which is exactly what Ben Simmons needs because he perhaps out of everybody on this list is the most limited or clearly flawed player uh, in terms of like the, you know, the teams that we create the stars. Yeah. And so that kind of goes the same for the center position because right now Ben Simmons is with Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. And while Joel Embiid is arguably the best center in the game, you have this criticism where they are honestly not like the best pairing in terms of if they're both on the court, then you have two guys who just cannot shoot the ball. Because while well, well, Embiid's like a decent shooter as a center, you still would rather have him on the block, and then Ben Simmons can't shoot, so the spacing is rough. So we look to place Ben Simmons with a shooter at the center position who can do some pick and roll, but also do some pick and pop. And one of the best pick and pop players of the decade in terms of big man is Kevin Love. So that we, we took him there. He isn't really an all-star caliber player anymore, but he's still like like a very good player. Every team wants a Kevin Love. And I just think the pick and pop with this team would be deadly. So that that's something that, that I would really look forward to if this was the actual thing. Agreed. And uh, Kevin Love isn't the best defender in the world, but of course with all NBA defender, or sorry, all defensive team defender Ben Simmons, arguably defensive player of the year candidate this year. Um, I think that their defense is going to be great anyway. Um, and then I think that what Kevin Love lacks in height and defensive ability, he makes up for her with his rebounding. Um, Kevin Love can more, more than hold his own against the best rebounding centers in the league. And so I think that he will clean up the glass for this team. Yeah, especially if you're starting Gordon Hayward at the four, who's not the best rebounder. Yeah, and there's there might be... like. I was just about to say that with Gordon Hayward and Kevin Love as your front court, there might be a little bit of an issue with size, but then when you also have a 6'10 point guard, um, I, I'm not really too worried. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. All right, so to sum up, for Team Ben Simmons, we have point guard, the fresh prince himself, Ben Simmons, shooting guard, Buddy Heald, power, uh, small forward, Harrison Barnes, power forward, Gordon Hayward, and center, Kevin Love. Moving on to team Trey Young, only in year two, and he's getting his own team. I'm, I'm really proud of him because uh, mm. I, I have his shirt in my drawer. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, point guard, Trey Young, obviously. For the shooting guard, basically the whole narrative with this team is Trey Young might be the worst defensive player in the league. However, he is one of the best players in the league at creating his own shot and creating offense for others. So honestly, the kind of theme with this team overall is that we need great defenders to cover Trey Young's ass. And then we also have to, we, we, we don't need guys who can go off the dribble for themselves because Trey Young is elite in that category of just 
creating shots for others. So we, we don't need like the Gordon Haywards or the Harrison Barnes or the Buddy Heels of the world. So with that being said, for shooting guard, we have Marcus Smart. He's able to shoot. He, he's not like the best dribbler, um, but he's able to shoot, and he is probably going to be on all uh, all defense first team this year. I'm just watching him play defense. It's a work of art. One of the scrappiest defenders in the NBA as well. So he can make up for anything that Trey Young lacks in terms of backcourt defense. And like you said, you don't need Marcus Smart to be an elite shot creator because Trey Young is out there. Um, and so Marcus Smart is a capable three point shooter, but at the same time, isn't going to go out and like ISO you, cross you up. Um, so I think that they actually balance each other perfectly. Yep. And now moving on to the small forward, you have the same thing with Robert Covington because he's an awesome shooter. He, you could, you saw in, in Houston with the Rockets, even for the few games that they played together, him and Harden worked really well. And while they're different players, obviously, Trey Young and Harden have similar play styles in terms of high usage uh, shooting and driving point guards. Um, so I think that Robert Covington would just work really well because he's a phenomenal defender. Uh, he can help switch on the perimeter for this team while they hide Trey Young on defense. And he just could knock that ball down. So that's a small forward. The sort of safety role that Robert Covington's been playing for the Rockets this year um, really reveals how versatile he is. And anytime you can add that to a team with, like you said, one of the worst defenders in the NBA, like to hide his his flaws as your star, I mean, that's invaluable. Agreed. And at the four, we got Al Horford. Um, Al Horford, I talk up a lot on this podcast um, you do. As, being, as being just like one of the best one-on-one post defenders in the NBA. He might not be the single best rim protector out there, but I put him and Marcus Saul um, in a group of like, if you have to guard a Joel Embiid or a Giannis um, down in the post, those are the kind of guys you want to have your team, especially in the playoffs. Now, his performance this year on the Sixers hasn't exactly lived up to the contract that he was given so far. The playoffs might have changed that. Um, but I think it's a little bit too early to give up on Al Horford because the Sixers are weird and we, everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think that if you're going to need Trey Young, to, or if you're going to create this playoff team and you have Trey Young as one of your offensive players, you want somebody in the post who's going to be able to just guard and prevent one of those best post guys in the league from scoring. Slow him down. Yep. And for the center position, this was something of debate. Uh, I think originally I created this Trey Young team at first, and for the center position, I was I just put in parentheses, insert rim-running center who's athletic because that's really what we needed. I was thinking maybe Mitchell Robinson, uh, but we ended up going with Clint Capella because he's just overall probably better defender, and he can ha- he can have more switchability. I know like with the 2017 Rockets, they had this insane switchability where Clint Capella was able to switch onto some point guards to where that kind of just neutralized the other team's pick and roll, and pick and rolls are used like 50 to 60, 70 times a game. So by taking that away, that just completely undermines another team's offense, and that's the main goal of surrounding Trey Young with a good defensive team. Also, I think the pick and roll would be pretty good. We saw in Houston that James Harden and Clint Capella had a great pick and roll. Trey Young, phenomenal passer, can just throw over the shoulder, between the leg, behind the back, alley-oops, and Clint Capella will, will slam that. And one concern that you raised with Clint Capella is that teams could trap Trey Young on a pick and roll um, because Clint Capella is not much of an offensive option other than the occasional alley-oop. Um, but my, my counterpoint to that is that you have Al Horford. Al Horford is capable of getting the ball at the free throw line or just inside the arc and creating a little bit of offense. He's a great passer. He's a capable shooter. I think that, so, so I think that if you're having that issue, which Trey Young has runs into sometimes with John Collins this year, um, or somebody else when John Collins was out, then I think that Al Horford could fill that problem um, if, if you're having it with Clint Capella. And then finally, Clint Capella, yes, is on Trey Young's team in real life, but we haven't actually seen them play together. And so Clint Capella seems to fit this role that we were looking for pretty perfectly, and we didn't want to like disqualify him because they haven't, we haven't actually seen them on the court at the same time. 
yeah, hopefully we get to see them soon. I I miss the NBA. Fingers so, crossed. Team Trey Young, point guard Trey Young, Ice Trey, shooting guard Marcus Smart, small forward Robert Covington, power forward Al Horford, center Clint Capella. All right, now we're on to Team Jason Tatum. And this one was sort of sparked by Jason Tatum's recent play in the question of could Jason Tatum be the best player on a championship team? And so you can answer that question for yourself while you're at home thinking about the NBA on your on your hiatus, on your corona break. Um, but we considered this to be the best possible team of role players to put around him um, for for him to win for him to go win that championship or, or lead them in, into a deep playoff run. So starting at point guard, we have Fred Van Vliet. I mentioned him earlier um, in comparison to uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander as not being the same defender that Shea is, but at the same time, he brings a lot of the same things that he does that Shea does offensively, and if not, you know, more. Um, just that he has so much shot-creating ability and a lot of range. We hit him. We saw him especially show up for the Raptors in the clutch last year during the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and in the finals. He's very capable of hitting, you know, just like big long-range bombs um, and, and changing the momentum of, of games at the most important moments. Um, and so uh, sort of acting in the Kemba Walker role of, the, of today's Celtics is Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, and we've seen that Kemba Walker role has been great for the Celtics this year. Tatum and Walker have been great, uh, kind of taking turns in a way, and I think that would work similar, similarly with Fred Van Vliet. He's not Maybe as not good the... as Kemba, but he can probably yeah. create yeah. some of the same production and be another um, another offensive option that the defense has to uh, key in on. Yeah, and moving on to the shooting guard, we had Karis LeVert, and this was sort of a last-minute ad because we were thinking that Jason Tatum is probably one of the worst players on this list just because we have like the top 10 players in the league on this list. So we were thinking, how can we boost this team's ability to kind of get to the rim, to get to kind of just put points on the board um, and kind of just sharing the wealth? Because if you're not going to have a top five player in the league on your team, but you're trying to create the perfect team, we want to have lots of high-caliber offensive players that can do a lot of things. And that's exactly what Karis LeVert is. Uh, he can go off the dribble. He's a good defender. He can knock down a shot at at least a league average rate. And it's just some more offensive firepower and some more shot creation for if Jason Tatum isn't feeling it that night. Exactly. Um, Karis LeVert, if, in case you haven't been watching too much Nets this year, is just like Connor said, just an awesome, awesome score when you give him the ball on the wing. And so doing a lot of the same j- things that Jalen Brown is doing right now for the Celtics, minus some of the defense, would give you Karis LeVert. Um, just in terms of like from the mid-range, from the three, attacking the basket, can do it all, can score from every level, from every place in the court, can create his own shots, can fl- fit into the flow of an offense, um, can be your sidekick, and then can take over a game as well. And so I think that he actually would work really nicely with Jason Tatum. Yeah, and the last thing on, on Karis LeVert is that I think that his... I, I, I wanted to put him on this team in particular because I think that while Jason Tatum is a good scorer, again, he's a bit on the lower caliber of, of this list. So Karis LeVert is also a young rising player, and I feel like on a team next year with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, he might disappear but on a team that doesn't have two of the top 10 best players in the NBA, like like Team Tatum, he would shine. So that's why I'm excited about it. Well put. Moving on moving on to small forward, we had Jason Tatum. I know he, sometimes he's a power forward, but we're putting him at small forward. At the power forward, we have Jeremy Grant. Personally, I, I don't have much to say about this. I think he, he's a solid defender, solid shooter, solid athlete. And while having uh, Van Vliet, Levert, and Tatum be kind of ball dominant high usage players we can have jeremy grant who doesn't really do much off the dribble but we don't need him to yeah and jeremy grant has been starting at power forward a a bit next to Jokic this year um and he makes up for a lot of the defensive mistakes or liabilities that nicole Jokic is at times um while also being a really strong three-point shooter all of a sudden um he's been surprisingly good from behind the arc this year and so if you have a guy who can space out the floor and kind of do a lot defensively, 
um, I don't see why any team wouldn't want that. Um, and, and so, like you said, then also with three shot creators and Fred VanVleet, Karis LeVert, and Jason Tatum, you don't necessarily want to put in another guy at the power forward who needs the ball in his hands a lot of the time. So I think that Jeremy Grant can sort of fade into the background, but then can step up at the same time uh, to hit a big shot, to you know, make it a smart defensive rotation, kind of do a little bit of everything. Yep, and at the center position, we have Mitchell Robinson. This, in my opinion, was a little bit victim to the we can't use people more than once because uh, I, I feel like there, there might be one or two players that are that can do a bit more off the dribble. Um, or I think, honestly, Mitchell Robinson's caliber as, as a rim roller would be, would be better for a team that has like a top-tier point guard. But I think that the Tatum-Robinson pick-and-roll could be good. Um, it could... Because Jason Tatum isn't the best passer in the world, I think having Mitchell Robinson who can go up uh, and kind of overcompensate for maybe not perfect passes would be good, and just the the, the pick and roll would be great. And he, and he's a pretty good defender too. So overall, this team is a is a good defensive team. The Mitchell Robinson pick might be falling victim a little bit to the fact that we're both Knicks fans. Uh, might be some bias <laughs> so, there. So true. <laughs> As in, you could probably put Stephen Adams or uh, yeah. like Marcus Saul there and get and get a lot of you know, other positive attributes. Um, but no, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson, Robinson's the best center in the league. <laughs> I mean, Mitchell Robinson is more athletic. I would argue than those two guys is quicker and, and might actually more run ath- like rim to rim. By, by more athletic, by more athletic, you mean a better player. Exactly. Okay. We'll just yes. leave it at that. Um, <laughs> remember we're Knicks fans. So team Tatum point guard, Fred Van Vliet shooting guard, Karis Levert. Small forward, Jason Tatum. Power forward, Jeremy Grant. Center, Mitchell Robinson. Moving on to Team Jokic. Oh, if you're a friend of this podcast, you know I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Rubbing my hands together. Um, it's, I guess it's become a running joke. I picked Nikola Jokic for MVP this year. And so any chance I get to include Nikola Jokic in a podcast episode, you know I'm going to do it. And so, of course, I wanted to build a team around him for this episode. Um, and, and so, at the point guard spot, we got Drew Holiday. This one pops into my mind, um, sort of from from trade rumors that the that the Nuggets would actually try to make the move for Drew Holiday at the trade deadline this year. Of course, that didn't happen. I was a little bit disappointed. Um, but part of the reason that I think that he's so perfect is that Nikola Jokic while he is a center, can actually sort of be your point guard in a really weird way because he's so freaking good at passing the ball. You can give it to him on the high post and he can create your whole offense. He can run the show. Um, He can get a rebound, throw it full court, be your quarterback. Um, I think he creates so much offense for other players, even when he isn't scoring himself, that I'm not sure you need a true point guard. And so for that reason, I have Drew Holiday, or we have Drew Holiday at the point guard spot here, even though he plays more like shooting guard in real life. And then on top of that, just sort of the icing on the cake, is that Drew Holiday is one of the better defenders in the NBA. Um, Can always be in the conversation for an all-defensive team. And we all know that Nikola Jokic's probably biggest downside is the fact that he is not as great of a defender as a lot of the other guys that we talk about for the best center in the league. Um, and so having a guy like Drew Holiday as your, at your point guard spot um, is going to help sort of hide that for Jokic. Yep. Now moving on to shooting guard is another player that can kind of, he, he's, he's a guard and he's, he's the size of a point guard, honestly, but he, he's more just kind of a, a one-dimensional score, and that's C.J. McCollum, and that—that's not to discredit him. In fact, it's—it's it's perfect on this team because Nikola Jokic, his passing ability is elite, so he's basically your point guard. So at at a guard spot, you just need kind of a guy who can go and get you buckets and do nothing really else because you don't need that. And that's C.J. McCollum. He can score on all three levels. He can space the floor. He can attack the mid-range. He's one of the best floater games in the league, and he can finish at the rim. Um, and I, I just think that this is perfect for him. Honestly, I wanted to put Jamal Murray on this list, and you stopped me. But I think CJ McCollum and Jamal Murray are kind of a, a similar type of player that are kind of like Jamal plays the point guard, but he's honestly kind of better as, as a shooting guard. At least he was a shooting guard coming into the draft. And both ways, you have Nikola Jokic running the offense, but you have CJ 
going to get a bucket. That's what he does. Jamal Murray's been in the news for other reasons recently. But yes, I guess I see your comparison. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think that For being CJ a nice McCollum, guy. <laughs> CJ McCollum fits in this team pretty perfectly because he's actually never been an all-star before despite being a, like 23-point-per-game per scorer right now. Um, and so if you're just looking for a little bit of extra shot creation, um, a guy you can sort of like take over, take your last shot, do something pretty i don't know attractive on the on the perimeter i think cj's your guy <laughs> yep and now going on to small forward we have pj tucker i think because we have three ball handlers on this list in in drew cj and Jokic, we the, the other two guys we just need to have really low usage guys who can play some defense because we need that around Jokic and who can kind of just get the hell out of the way and, and guard and a lot of positions his thing yeah agreed so, so yeah, PJ, so, PJ's embodied that for the Rockets for the past few years. It's a little bit strange having him at the three here when he plays center for the Rockets night right now, but he's like <laughs> what six six. So actually, small forward makes sense for him just based off of height alone. Um, but then moving on to the power forward, this one might be a little bit obscure for some NBA fans, but we got Brandon Clark. Um, he's a twenty-three year old rookie right now. Um, so despite the fact that he like that he's new to the NBA he's he's more experienced than a rookie would imply um and he he came into the NBA more uh more league ready than just about any other guy this year um and so while he's only the second best rookie on the Memphis Grizzlies this year thanks to John Morant um I actually think that defensively he is awesome and and would fit really well next to Nikola Jokic um because that that's sort of a, a part of what he was drafted for is like the fact that he is a versatile defender. He can switch, um, but he's even actually been he surpassed all like draft expectations. Um, but I think that at the power forward spot next to Nikola Jokic, despite being a little bit undersized for the power forward spot, that's what he plays. Um, I think that he could he could sort of make up for Nikola Jokic's defensive weaknesses. Hey, and by the way, Clark. yeah, go ahead. He. Uh, I thought before doing my research for this episode that he was just sort of a non-shooter. Um, on like one three-point attempt per game, he's shooting, or like maybe one make per game, he's uh, he's shooting 40%. So that's not nothing. Good for him. But I, I just looked up when you said he's 23 because I, I didn't know that. And then <laughs> Brendan Clark's a rookie and he's older than Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really hilarious. funny. That's really funny. Yeah. So, anyways, Team Jokic, I, I think this team might fit a player the best out, out of out of any team we've done so far. Mm. Um, how, how do you think that this team would win the finals? I'm not sure it would win the finals, but I think that this team would be considered more of a legit contender than the Nuggets are right now for oh, whatever okay. reason. Because they they have a better team, but it, like answer the question. Like, of course they would be I better. I don't think that they're winning the finals against the Lakers that have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I don't think they're winning the finals against the Clippers that have uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. When you're limited to one all-star, it's pretty hard to win a championship. But um, the, the honest the honest team, I think, would win a championship. Well, I mean, that's a different question altogether. But uh, I don't know. I think that I think that this team is like is legit. I think it fits Jokic better than the real-life Nuggets do. Um, and I think that with this team, Jokic could prove something to a lot of people, which is that he can like lead winning basketball. Um, no, but but no, people, I don't think this team will win people, a championship. People, people know that. Okay, so well, I mean, but people don't think that the Nuggets are real. I mean, neither do I, by the way. But I, people don't think that the Nuggets are a real life contender. And so, so there are probably but, people but out asking, there who are, do, are like, is this team a real life contender? As in, like a top three contender for the title? Um. Well, first the of Nuggets all, like, are already the Nuggets are already like a top like eight contender for the title, so they they just need to make a next jump. And but that's um, but eight to three is a pretty big jump. Um, so yeah, probably but, not. Probably not. Oh, like am I taking this team over the real life Bucks? I don't know. Not with the way the Giannis is playing this year. So so Jokic, if if Jokic is not if Jokic is the only All Star on your team, you can. There's no way you can win a final. Well. I'll put it to you this way: like, the Bucks have another All Star on this team, and their team in Chris Middleton, and they're not the 
favorite to win the finals despite having the MVP. But they're they're by far like a top three. Like everyone considers them a contender. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm saying, but I, you said- I, I would honestly argue that like Drew Holiday and CJ together are more valuable than Chris Middleton and whoever and, and like Eric and Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. I mean, maybe like it's close, but I, but Giannis is a way better player than Jokic is. They're both yeah. top ten in the league in my eyes, I think. But Giannis might be the single best player in the NBA right now. So I don't know. I I don't think to answer your question. No, I don't think this is winning the championship. I do think this team would be considered more of a legit contender. It's more playoff ready and perfectly built around Nikola Jokic than the real life Nuggets are, though. I just okay. don't. There's enough talent to match the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Okay. So next up, Team Joel Embiid. For this, our main strengths and weaknesses for Embiid. Obviously, Embiid is one of the best rim protectors in the league, one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, not only blocks, but just defensive on-off numbers are ridiculous. Defensive rating ridiculous. Um, and so, with that, we just need to surround him with uh, decent defenders, and also. Joel Embiid is one of the best low post defenders, or one of the best low post offensive players in the league. So we just need guys to get out of his way, be able to shoot the three, and not be able to clog up the paint. So we don't need like the Ben Simmonses of the world, um, or just guys to, or just guys to clog up the paint. Even even if they're attacking the the basket well, we would rather have them be able to shoot threes and shoot mid ranges and kind of just be overall well rounded players. Yeah. Um, starting off the point guard spot is is your is your guy Malcolm Brogdon. Um, of that course, is my guy, most improved. <laughs> he uh, to to some people, or probably a lot of people would be surprised. He's actually averaging seven assists per game this year. Um, I call which, that. I, it, there's a clip out there that says Malcolm Brogdon can average seven eight assists. And and I and, and I laughed at you for that. Um, you, you did. So, so to your credit, Malcolm Brogdon has become the kind of guy that can actually be the be the guard that's giving Joel Embiid his post touches. And so a concern with Joel, with, with any time your, your best player is a post scorer, like you mentioned Joel Embiid is, you need your point guard or somebody in the team to be able to feed him the rock. I think that Malcolm Brogdon, the season for the Pacers, is proving that he can be that guy, as well as being an incredibly Especially with the bonus. Yeah, and, and a decent defender. So I think that the, the Malcolm Brogdon you envisioned before the season that he has now become is actually a perfect teammate for Joel Embiid. Malcolm has manifested. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on to the shooting guard, we got Danny Green. It's a guy to play good defense, a guy to get in the hell out of Joel Embiid's way. Uh, low usage because we want as much usage as possible to go to Joel and to other shot creators and not to Danny Green. So Danny Green just spaces the floor and be able and in like realistically, um, his his effect would be the Steph Curry effect, or, or really just the the effect the of JJ a shooter. Reddick effect. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say the JJ Reddick effect because the vet shooter. Like, yeah, the vet shooter. Because two years ago, the 76ers, when they were like really fun and they made the playoffs when no one was expecting them to, JJ Reddick was on that team and he was like their only like like shooter that could like go and catch and shoot, and that opened up Joel Embiid's game so much because teams have to be near him or else it's going to be three points. And so that takes away from them doubling Joel Embiid, and that opens up Joel Embiid's offensive game so much. I mean, yeah, Danny Green isn't a huge name in the NBA world, but he's incredibly valuable to any team that is trying to compete for a championship. He was in the Raptors last year. He's in the Lakers this year. He played in the Spurs. He was in the Spurs, yeah. Yeah. He's a winner. So, so Danny Green, yeah, I was going to say, he's a born winner. He's the the model for 3 and D guys in today's NBA. Um veteran shooter like the jj reddick effect i think he makes a lot of sense here so then at the three we got jingle and joe ingles uh <laughs> the australian legend that he is um who outplayed paul george one, in a playoff series mm, mm, yeah uh, so so part of it is like <laughs> he's a surprisingly good defender so so he gets a lot of he gets a lot of attention for looking like your math teacher and yet Lighting NBA players up, including Paul George. Um, I would I would love so, to learn math from Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm, me too, Only threes, actually. three it's threes are point. better than twos. <laughs> he 
he's well he's he's just a, he's a scrappy defender for one thing so despite not being incredibly athletic he's a scrappy defender he's a good defender he just makes people's lives harder um and then he's also a great three-point shooter um it runs off the screens well for some reason has a really good pick and roll with rudy gobert like their pick and roll is one of the best in the league um and so the Joel Embiid, Joe Ingles pick and roll could be the the most dangerous thing the NBA has Who seen since Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so don't sleep on on Joe Ingles and Joel Embiid. Yep, power forward we have Danilo Gallinari, a guy who is a phenomenal three point shooter. He's got a good mid range game too, um, decent passer for a power forward as well. I'm pretty sure. And so he can get the ball to Joel Embiid. He can space the floor for Joel Embiid, have have uh, other big men not come from the other side and try to double Joel. And while he's not the best defender, we do have Joel Embiid, so we can get away with that. And he, he can also create his own shot if we need. So I think him, Malcolm Brogdon, and Joe Ingles can be like a closer if Joel Embiid is being denied the ball. Yeah, I mean, Danilo Gallinari is the second best scorer on this team after Joel Embiid. And it's important just to I have an. Brog, Brogdon's a bucket, bro. Dude, Danilo Gallinari is a 20 point per game scorer. Malcolm <laughs> Brogdon, like, he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. He is not as good of a scorer as Danilo Gallinari is. It's close, right? He's a better ball handler, is all I'll say. Okay, sure. But, like, he's a guard and Danilo Gallinari is a power forward. Um, yeah. But Danilo Gallinari, I, like you said, is a very versatile guy for somebody who is playing the big man position in today's NBA. And kind of all of his value comes on the offensive end. And so he's kind of the perfect guy to put next to Joel Embiid because he doesn't need to get his touches in the post. Um, so he will stay and, like you said, not clog the lane. Um, but he's also the second best scorer in this team, not Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and, and so this team needed a little bit of extra uh, extra flair, extra shot creation, and Daniel Gallinari is that guy. Man, he's um, been And so then finally, ever, of course, bro. looking at his basketball reference. Gallo. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, finally, of course, we have Joel Embiid. That doesn't need any explanation. So to recap, we got Malcolm Brogdon, Danny Green, Joe Ingles, Danilo Gallinari, and Joel Embiid. All right, so let's hop on to our second-to-last team, Team Anthony Davis. At point guard here, we got Eric Bledsoe. Um, we mentioned him earlier with, uh, with Giannis and how that real-life position was filled by Shea Gelders alexander but... Um, the sort of like value of Eric Bledsoe now applies to team Anthony Davis, which is that he's a scrappy defender. He can do some scoring. He can run in transition. He can hit down. He can hit the three, he can hit the mid range kind of does a little bit of everything. And he's actually quite a solid player just all around. And honestly, while Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo aren't the same player, it's kind of, they're the two best power forwards in the league to where, I think Eric Bledsoe knows how to play alongside an elite power forward, knows how to get a big man the ball while also like not forcing it. The biggest criticism of Eric Bledsoe would be that in last year's playoffs, the Bucks had to sort of rely on him and he kind of just didn't show up. Um, and that really cost them. But the thing here is that um, I don't think on this team they will need to rely on Eric Bledsoe offensively and in huge games as much as the Bucks did last year especially because anthony davis is more of a jump shot than Giannis too he can he can pop out to the perimeter as well true all right so and also the shooting guard w- w- yeah oh, yeah we dot, we got shooters we, we got no yeah we got shooters for the shooting guard position we got evan fournier so e- even though like no one knows that name by the way do not google fournier's last name um <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll you'll be sorry. <laughs> I'm I I I I, look, I googled it like three years ago. I can picture it in my head right now, bro. Um, Everybody's looking yeah, it up right now. Evan Fournier is the big. I, I I'm such a proponent of Evan Fournier recognition. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, he's just a 19 point per game score that no one really talks about ever. Um, I think it's because he's on the Magic. I don't know why, but the Magic. I think it is because like, he's on the Magic. They get no credit. Yeah, he 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 finna get his number retired from Orlando. He's been there like seven seasons. <laughs> but yeah, so going back to the fact that he's on Team <laughs> Anthony Davis, um, Evan Fournier is, is just he's a knockdown shooter for one thing. He's a 19 point per game scorer, as you mentioned. So he can be probably the second leading scorer on this team after Anthony Davis. 
Um, got a little bit of shot creation. Got a little bit of ball handling. He brings it on the offensive end. Um, and Anthony Davis is going to need that in his pick and roll, get him the ball, create some other um, offensive options to draw attention away from him. Um, so Evan Fournier is a pretty versatile guy to put next to Anthony Davis. Speaking next to – speaking about, like – wings that are really underrated and can put up numbers the small forward is will barton and he is just he's the bucket that no one really talks about over the past two over the past three seasons he's averaged 15 for two of them and he he can kind of just he's he's kind of like a jr smith where he doesn't really do one thing super well except you can you can throw him the ball and he'll just randomly go give you a bucket um, he's like he's like if Dion Waiters was like good, um, in in my opinion. And he's, but he's also he he's also like he's also like a good defender. He plays super hard, which I really like. I was gonna um, say people forget that uh, like a prime J.R. Smith when he was on the Knicks was actually a very good one on one defender. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I think Will Barton would be a guy that if if Eric Bledsoe is is choking, you can just go get him the ball. He he's a pretty decent shooter. Uh, he's He's shooting on five attempts this year. He's shooting thirty-seven point five percent from three, which is which is good. And yeah, he can just score at all three levels. And I think he complements Anthony Davis very, very well. Yeah. So I mean, until I looked at his basketball reference page, I wouldn't have known that Will Barton was like a legit third option kind of guy for this team. I mean, you could argue Eric Bledsoe, say, but yeah, he's probably the fourth. And that's he is. Amazing. Yeah. All right. So then, moving on to the four, we have OG Ananobi. Um, and so, if you're a true OG of this podcast, OG listener, you know no that I've been a. Sorry, that's a bad pun. <laughs> but but that, going back to my point, like I I have been on the OG fan club this year because um, I picked him as one of my most improved candidates. Um, <laughs> I'm still it, laughing about that. <laughs> the parallel to your Malcolm Brogdon uh, it was my OG Ananobi, I guess. Um, Society, and that didn't really <laughs> that didn't really pan out, but. OG Ananobi is quietly a great role player. He's kind of perfect for whatever team. Um, I think he's going to fit anywhere because he's only like a 11 point per game score or something. But but that's all you need with this team. This exactly. team is full of bucket. This team is full of bucket getters. Exactly. So you don't so you don't need that guy. He's a capable three point shooter. He plays hard. He fits perfectly with the Raptors' identity, which I think brings a little bit of something. You know, brings a little spice to this roster. Um, and he's a really good defender. Um, so you're just going to play hard. He's super well-rounded. Um, and, and one of the most important things, I think every every team needs somebody who can kind of do a little bit of everything. In this case, it's probably both Will Barton and OG Ananobi, and maybe Eric Bledsoe too. Um, but just for like the jack-of-all-trades kind of guy, I think that OG Ananobi can be that. Yep. So at the center spot, we have Anthony Davis. So to sum up, for Team Anthony Davis... We got point guard, Eric Bledsoe, shooting guard, Evan Fournier, don't Google, small forward, Will Barton, power forward, the OG, OG Ananobi, and at center, we got Anthony Davis. All right, last team, Mr. James Harden, the beard, um, playing point guard for this team. Um I don't know. Man, he's already got the perfect roster around him. (laughs) This is this was this was a weird one. Uh, I want to say like like there was a moment here where we were like, okay, so do we give James Harden a normal (laughs) NBA roster? Do we give him a a normal, you know, like basketball team? (laughs) (laughs) Do we give him a normal NBA roster, like not Mike D'Antoni, not Daryl Morey, like you know, like that has been played for like all of basketball? (laughs) (laughs) Do we give him? the Rockets before they traded Clint Capella roster like this year, or do we give him the Rockets after they traded Clint Capella roster from this year? And so there Which was a moment they start where six, five, six, six PJs. Yeah. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to have to, we're going to have to be like Andre Iguodala at center. So we didn't go we, with that team. There was a, there was a moment where we thought about it. We, we honestly like, yeah, you, you were, you were for that. I, I was like, is, is Iggy really that, can he fill that PJ well, Tucker role? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, if there's anybody that we're going to put here, it's probably Iggy, but like, I'm not sure Iggy has proven in the last like two years of not playing basketball, anything uh, like that he is still capable of, of being like that safety kind of role that Robert Covington's doing right now. Um, so that wouldn't work unless we were to put Robert Covington at center, I think. 
Um, so we didn't go with that. We went with James Harden at the, the one and Malik Beasley at the two. Um, Malik Beasley was your pick, so give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I added him to this list, and originally Connor was like, that's a little bit out of out of left field. But if you don't know, Malik Beasley, he's he's a great defender. He got traded from the Nuggets uh, at the deadline to the, to the Timberwolves, and he proceeded to drop like, 25 a game for the next 10 games for the Timberwolves Mm. but even if even if he doesn't sustain that on his team we know that he can kind of create his own shot um off the dribble which one is not needed on this team because you have James Harden and you have another guy that will come up to who can create their own shots but if James Harden is having like a horrible night then it's good to know because like you know like kind of how Eric Eric uh Gordon over the past can kind of like create his own shot at some times for the Rockets like Like, they had Chris Paul doing that yeah, but and obviously Malik Beasley is not Chris Paul, but Malik Beasley is kind of Eric Gordon, honestly. Um, okay. But and but just honestly a bit better defender next to Harden because Harden, not the best defender. So you have Malik Beasley next to him. And also, I, I compare him to Eric Gordon because Malik Beasley, phenomenal three-point shooter. Um, especially this year, he's kind of broken out as a great three-point shooter. So that's why, that's why I have him there. And he's also low usage when you want him, high usage when you want him. And that's perfect next to a, an anomaly next to James Harden who can just shoot 40 shots a game. Yeah, I mean, kind of nobody knew his name while he was on the Nuggets because the Nuggets just kind of underutilized him. But as soon as he showed up in Minnesota, he was just lighting it up because actually D'Angelo Russell was out. Um, and so it was like yeah. him and Cat. And honestly, yeah, I, th- I think just in general, you don't need high usage players, which is why at small forward, we also have KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who has been great for the Lakers this year. And honestly, he, he gets so much criticism for no reason. People just want him to be J.R. Smith so that. badly. I've been saying yeah. that. I, I, put, I tweeted that out on Twitter. I, you know, I, I, I tweeted that one time. I was like, can a Lakers fan please tell me why KCP gets so much hate when he's a great defender and like a forty percent three point shooter. Like, what is he doing wrong that everybody hates him? And the only I, I don't even remember what the answer I got. It was like, basically, it was like, okay, he's gotten a lot better recently. He didn't used to be this good, but people still hate him. So I don't really know what's up with that. Um, but but the the bottom line is low usage, good defender, which you want next to Harden. This team can switch a lot on defense, and yeah, just low usage, good shooter, and that's all. That's all you really need to compliment James Harden word all right so then at the power forward here's your other shocker that you're talking about besides james harden is tobias harris um tobias harris had a little bit of a bumpy ride i guess you could say since showing up in, <laughs> since, uh, in since, Philly. since he got since he got drafted well oh that's true yeah he's played in like six teams i don't know that's weird yeah but he was lighting it up was almost an all-star for the clippers got traded to the sixers and was supposed to be one of the pieces along with Jimmy Butler that was going to like make them a super team all of a sudden. That didn't really work out. Jimmy Butler got traded. He was still in the Sixers this year. He's putting up pretty good numbers, but once again, the Sixers are weird, as we talked about earlier in this episode, um, and why we be- we gave both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid their own teams in here in this, uh, in this little game. Um, but Tobias Harris is still um, at the power forward spot a really, really good offensive player that can create a lot of offense for himself, spread out the floor, and do a little bit of everything. Yeah, honestly, I think the only person I would rather have in this role is maybe like Bogdanovich uh, for, the, for the Jazz, but I think that he'll fill that role really well. He can score in the mid-range, he can score from three, and he can get to the rim, honestly. If Philadelphia didn't have such horrible spacing, I think he would be attacking the basket a lot more. And I think he... Is he doesn't have to be this high usage guy, which is good, and he's a very high caliber non all star, which mm-hmm. he was almost all star last year, which is why I think he's the perfect candidate for this because he he doesn't have to take the ball away from Harden, like someone like a Westbrook or or a Chris Paul sometimes does, but he can still go out and and give Houston or I guess wherever team Harden plays uh, some some buckets. And it's important that any Rockets team or any I shouldn't say Rockets any James Harden team has an option to go to somebody who can go get a bucket when James Harden can't. So it was Chris Paul. Now it's Russell Westbrook. As in the like, uh-oh, what do we do now? James Harden's cold. So you don't have to just live and die by James Harden threes. <laughs> Tobias Harris, I think, 
were, I mean, and like this no role player universe, I think can be the guy um, that is that like second backup option. Yep. And to round it off for center, this was, this was something of great dispute because like we said, we were like, do we put Andre Gudala? Do we put Robert Covington? <laughs> and then, and then if we do put a traditional center, which we ended up doing, do we put some like super hyper athletic center, like a Capella equivalent? Yeah, like a Clint Capella equivalent, or do we put a guy that something that Clint Capella couldn't really do for the Rockets and why they trade him is that do do we have a guy that can shoot and do we have a guy that can get the ball if James Harden gets trapped in the pick and roll? So so if James Harden and, and I'll spoil it, we have Marcus Gasol here for for Team Harden at the center. So if you have a a James Harden Marcus Gasol pick and roll. If if both the guys come and trap James Harden, then James Harden can just kind of lob it up top to Marcus Gasol, and then from there you have a four on three. Marcus Gasol is a very good passer for a big man, uh, and he'll and he'll stay in control even if that means he's slow. He'll stay in control. So I think that you can have a bunch of the advantages, and it takes away from how teams attempt to stop James Harden. Marcus Gasol's numbers this year aren't super great, and he's only played thirty six games, um, but. I think it's important to remember how good he was to the Raptors at times during the playoffs last year. Um, really great post defender in the same like Al Horford conversation that I was talking about earlier, although probably not as good at this point in his career. Um, but then also a very capable three-point shooter and spacer. And so this allows the Rockets to run the sort of five-out thing that they've got going on now um, while also still having a true center and having a little bit more of a normal NBA roster. Yeah, so to sum up, we have Team James Harden at the point. We got the beard, James Harden at shooting guard. We got Malik Beasley at small forward. We have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. At power forward, we have Tobias Harris. And at center, we have Marcus Gasol. I think we got a lot of switchability, a lot of shooting, a lot of guys who will get out of the way for James Harden, <laughs> which yeah. tends to work decently well. Thanks again to Eamon for this awesome video idea or episode idea. This was yeah, man, actually was a lot of fun. We had we had a good time with this. Um, if if and, you got to this point of the podcast, shout out to you and uh, hit us up either on on like YouTube or on social media, which we and and just leave like like what are what are your thoughts about does someone not fit and and is if someone what which team here is the best team? And remember that we're also at this point not a huge podcast. So if you have an episode idea if you have something you want to tell us right if you have something that that you want us to see if you hit us up on our instagram dms twitter dms we are going to see it yeah. so so reach out to us and and we will definitely get back to you quickly um and there's a really good chance that you end up being the next podcast episode because we're sort of looking for ideas right now during this hiatus yep and so yeah just hit just hit us up which team is the best Team Giannis, Team LeBron, Team Simmons, Team Young, Tatum, Jokic, Embiid, Davis, or Harden. We'll probably post the whole lists on our Instagram, so you can go find those there and vote. Yep, yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space the Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, you're listening on Apple Podcasts, so uh, subscribe, leave us a review, hit us up on YouTube, just search us Space the Floor on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out Eamon. <laughs>